Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 159 and we'll be starting with the second paragraph all of this time, reading it uh, for context only and we will be focusing our share on the second paragraph. Today's readers are Lisa H., Christine M., Ginger C. The reference number for Tuesday, November 1st, is 9223. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Joanne L. from Rhode Island. Thank you, Julie, for your service. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Joanne L. And I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 159, paragraph, the second paragraph, all this time our friend at the hotel lobby. We're going to read the first paragraph for context only, and the second paragraph read at the bottom of page 159 that ends on page 160 will be what we will be sharing on. I will now ask Lisa H. to read. Good morning. Um, This is Lisa H., recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. All this time, our friend of the hotel lobby incident remained in that town. He was there three months. He now returned home, leaving behind his first acquaintance, the lawyer and the devil-may-care chap. These men had found something brand new in life. Though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they would remain sober, that motive became secondary. 
It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. They shared their homes, their slender resources, and gladly devoted their spare hours to fellow sufferers. They were willing, by day or night, to place a new man in the hospital and visit him afterwards. They grew in numbers. They experienced a few distressing failures, but in those cases, they made an effort to bring the man's family into a spiritual way of living, thus relieving much worry and suffering. A year and six months later, these three had succeeded with seven more. Seeing much of each other, scarce an evening passed that someone's home did not shelter a little gathering of men and women, happy in their release, and constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. In addition to these casual get-togethers, it became customary to set apart one night a week for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. Aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object was to provide a time and a place where new people might bring their problems. Um, Good morning again, this is Lisa, recovered in Tennessee. And uh, the line that stands out to me is anyone and everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. Um, when I came to OA, uh, I had no idea uh, what I would be doing, actually. I just knew I needed to lose some weight and somehow, if possible, calm my mind of its obsession with food and weight. And to be honest, I thought I had a spiritual way of life. I was at my church every time the doors opened. I prayed. I participated Um, But at at my first meeting, I saw a woman there who had been abstinent from sugar for five years and was at a healthy weight. I I knew I wanted what she had. Um, And and one of the biggest things was uh, learning that God cared about my food. Um, Let's see. Was that? Oh, and that was. um, And so in the last uh, year and a half, um, in this process, I really had to immerse myself in this program and these steps. Um, and now I, now I really do have, uh, a deep spiritual way of life. Um, but I have to, I have to work at it every day. Um, for me, daily gratitude and, and daily action, um, keeps me changing and growing, um, into what God would have me to be. Thanks, I pass. Thank you, Lisa H. And um, I'd like to remind everybody that our comments will be on the second paragraph read at the end of 59 and the beginning of page 160. Who would like to share? This is Bella. Okay, I've got Bella. I've got Nina. I've got Larry K. I've got Charles H. Nessa R. Yeah, I have you, Nessa. And Paula D. Paula D. Sarah W. And Chrissy G. Chrissy G. Okay, let's start with that. So it's going to be Bella G., Tina S., Larry K., Charles H. to start. If everyone else could uh, mute their phone. Bella G., go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recoverer 
compulsive overeater. Thank you, Julie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such wonderful paragraph. Happy in their release. Yes, thank you, God, that I am happy with my release. Release of what? Release of being connected to my ego. Connected to my ego means to be scared, to be a people pleaser, to prove my existence, to prove that I am better than you, that I am smarter than you, release from being in a judgmental uh, position all the time to judge you and to judge myself. Thank you, God. Yes, I am happy, very happy for my release. And today I am choosing to be connected to a higher power, to an accepting power. And yes, today I know that I am here, <clears throat> sorry, that I am here a messenger only. I am here to give over the message of God, you know, and I don't have to prove that I am better than you. I am not a teacher or a therapist in this program. In this program, I am willing to, to, express and to, you know, to express my experience, strength, and hope. And yes, I can learn from you, and you can learn from me. This is a program that we are here all together at, at the same time with the same issues. We are not better than others. Today, I am released from being self-centered. Today, I am connected to a loving, accepting power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And Tina S., followed by Larry K. Thanks, Julie, for your service, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Oh, what a great paragraph. Uh, you know, I, I can remember coming in and, and people telling me that there's only one thing that I had to change, and that was everything, and didn't really have a clue what they meant, you know. And but also what I heard was, if you want what I have, do what I do. And so I started hanging out with these people, and that's what really struck me this morning, at, you know, about how early on in recovery uh, I hung out with the people that were doing the deal, you know, because I didn't have a clue, you know, and, and, I, and I certainly couldn't go back to the way I was living because that's what brought me here in the first place. So I started hanging out with people and going to meetings and watching what they were doing, and then there came a time after I started working the steps um, that I started to want to do this. I wanted to do this. I just didn't do this so that I I would um, stay in recovery and and be a changed person and not have to use my the old solution that I had in my life today. And so today I do the same thing. You know, I go to meetings and I and I carry the message. And you know, and I'm not perfect by any means, but I continue to live that life because you know God gave me a life when I got in recovery today. And um and and you know it talks about you know. Um, once a week they, they met. You know, today we have meetings every day where I live. What a miracle. You know, we have meetings every day. I have no excuse. I attend this meeting every day. You know, and, and what a gift because, again, the only thing that has to change for me is everything. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And Larry K. followed by Charles H. Thanks so much, Julie, for your service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Well, this this is really important stuff. The um, you know what we're reading here is part of our history, and our history is so fundamentally important. Um, 
you know, you know, it's talking here about, um, you know, these, these, these guys at that time and their wives and how they would get together, you know, seeing much of each other, scarce an evening past that someone did not shelter a little gathering of men and women happy in their release and constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. You know, that, that was, that was many, many, many years ago. Right. But here we are in 2016, who, who, you know, the my Cubs, they're, they're doing their deal. But here we are, you know, I'm so grateful. Today is my anniversary, and I didn't do this for myself. I worked some steps in sequence because some people were kind enough to crack open the big book with me and show me how to access this spiritual way of living, this design for living. And you know what happened? My life changed and here we are in 2016, and I have the honor, like many of us do, to carry this message to other people who are still suffering. That's the way this goes. The dots are connected from our history from the very beginning. And yes, we can, and we talk about the fact that, you know, this message has, got, has, has become watered down. And so what happens there, you know, is that people aren't getting better. But if you work these steps as laid out in the big book, you will have a spiritual transformation. Let's not forget, this is a spiritual program. It's not a theological program. We're not advocating a specific religion. Um, it, we're all inclusive, never exclusive. But let's never forget that the way that, that, a, that a guy like me can get better and become unblocked from the sunlight of the spirit, from the God of my understanding, was to change, to work these steps, which produces an essential psychic shift. That's what happened to me. And that's the message of hope that we get to carry. And it's, we're carrying it here on this line. And that's why this meeting is attractive. You know, there was a meeting in the Chicago area, you know, that was, it was a huge meeting. There's people on this line that attended it many, many years ago, 200 people or more. It's gone. And that's meaningful and connected to this paragraph to me because, you know, that meeting is gone because people weren't getting better. That's why it's gone. It was right there in the heart of Chicago. Chicago's a big place. But you know what? This meeting is attractive and it's getting bigger and growing. It's a movement. Why? Because we're, we're getting back to basics of what got people well. You want to get well, you can have your own spiritual awakening. Then you're, you, you, you have the honor and the privilege of carrying the message. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry K. And Charles H., followed by Nessa R. Thank you, Julia. I love you. Thank you for your 4 a.m. service. God, I, I, I cannot wait to be uh, in Tinseltown, being on the line live January 13, 2017, on the beach, uh, and, and to get that 4 a.m. getting on this meeting. Uh, now, y'all funny, because y'all put me up behind Mr. You ain't finna get sprinkled with pixie dust and think, right, let me see what God got going to shake out of me this morning. Um, so, wow, yeah, uh, wow, wow. By anyone and everyone interested in a spiritual way of life, if I could take it back a little bit, because yesterday I did some listening, and um, I want to go back to where my man Bill, all this time our friend of the hotel lobby uh, incident, Remaining in that town. He was there three months. He now returned home. I wonder how much. <laughs> Let's go Cubs. You know what? I wonder how much game seven compulsive overeaters. We, this is life and death. Do or die. You know, 
how how soon I forget page twenty five, page fifty, the first page, the the the, the, the mission of, of the mission of this book, the purpose of this book, uh, page forty five, page fifty eight, page sixty two. How 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 soon do I forget that? Right. Um, I have a burden and a responsibility. You know, shout out to my guy. He know who he is. He you know he he went he. He does a lot of retreats and big book um, weekends and conventions. He went to one town. I ain't going to call his name out. He know who he is. He went to one town and did a retreat and lit that whole state up. You know why I know he lit it up? Because I talk to them people every day. They are on fire. They are game seven compulsive overeaters, do or die every single day. We have a responsibility to carry this message to whoever wants a spiritual way of life, not to throw no theology at them, not to throw your own conception, not to throw the message of depth and weight that, yes, you know, I'm going to say it again, God's not going to come down from heaven and, and, and slap the food out your mouth. Santa's not going to park his reindeers and give you the gift of abstinence. You, you know, we're, we're going to have, I had to put it down myself. I had to put it down myself. And I put it down myself. It was nasty. It was disgusting. In Virginia Beach, I resented uh, vision for you for not having ketchup, for not having condiments, for not having this, for not having that. But today, today I live a spiritual life, and I'm willing to carry this message. I will not water this program down. You will hate me, but your blood will not be on my hands. And I love carrying the message. And tonight after work, I'm going to a men's meeting, and you know what? I'm going to carry the message in this book. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you may have been in only 30 years, and you, you may have been talking about this and that. You talk about it. Let's walk. Let's go to. Let's walk a couple of miles and talk about putting the, the food down. Let's talk about that because that is the message. Put it down and get a spiritual way of life if you want. If you don't, you, you can go behind door number two and die earlier. But I hope you don't. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Carol H. Uh, next will be Nessa R. followed by Paula D. Hi, good morning, Vision for you. This is Nessa R. recovered in Toronto, Canada. So this uh, paragraph introduces the concept of meetings, and now meetings have become the primary means by which we carry the message. And so the question becomes, what message are we carrying? Um, in the almost 14 years that I've been in program, I've been to many, many, many meetings. Um, and in the first nine years of that tenure, um, I went to meetings where the message was, you know, accept and love yourself the way you are, you know, the so-called fast message. And I also went to meetings where the message was, you know, a nine tool program, a very rigorous working of the nine tools. And, and people really loved tools and they worked their tools very, very hard, and there were lots of people who were abstinent, and lots of people who were in um, thin bodies, uh, but uh, very few people who were happy, who, who were, who, 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 uh, lots of people who were restless, irritable, and discontented. You know, those are not messages that were very attractive, and the common denominator in those meetings was that their message, this message, of the big book, the message of recovery of the 12 steps was not even being mentioned at all. There was no recovery whatsoever. Sure, the 12 steps were read, and some of them, even the big book was read. But then um, when it came 
came to, to the sharing, uh, we were talking about other things, you know, about life problems, about how we work the tools, etc. Um, and so it behooves us as recovered people to start meetings in our areas that carry the message or to go to the, you know, to the, to the existing meetings and carry the message, not be swayed by, um, you know, what is being talked in those meetings and go along with that, but really carry the, the message and bring the program back to basics, which is, you know, entire abstinence and working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous precisely how it is outlined in the big book. And, and we have done just that um, here in Toronto. We started a, a new meeting um, uh, doing this. It's, it's been over a year. And I would say it's a successful meeting in terms of attendance. Um, not so much in terms of recovery, unfortunately, because there are failures. There are people who, who hear the message but don't want to hear the message. Uh, but it's still, you know, our job is to try to carry the message, whether other people embrace it or receive it or accept it. You know, that's not up to me. My job is to repeat over and over and over again, you know, how, what I was like, what happened, and what I am like now. And what happened to me was um, I found somebody or somebody found me who told me to put my food down entirely, took me to the 12 steps, and recovery ensued. That is the message that we should be carrying in our meetings. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And Paula D., followed by Sarah W. Good morning. This would be Paula D. And good morning, Julie, my California friend. And I thank you for your service today. This would be Paula, a compulsive eater recovered by and with the grace of God. And I'll kind of zero in on a couple of lines here that that just uh, changed the way of reading these lines and seeing these lines, seeing much of each other, scarce an evening passed, that someone's home did not shelter a little gathering of men and women, happy in their release. Now, before I go on with that, shelter a little gathering. You see, they knew they needed shelter. They came together. And I want to read you a thing. It says, ships are safe in a harbor, but that's not what ships were meant for. They knew. They, this is what they, they had to come together. What happens in the harbor? They get repaired, they get supplied, and then they get sent out because that, they know that is not what they were meant for. And then they went out, and I'm going to tell you, there's a song, and maybe you know it, give me some men who are stout-hearted men, and I'll give you 10,000 more. Do you see it? Do you see it here? There's only, what, look at, a year and a half. Three had succeeded. Now they use the word success. With seven more? With seven more? Well, my goodness, you would almost be discouraged by those numbers. But as I sang you the song, stout-hearted men, they were released, they were freed. It was contagious what they had, how they lived. And look at what it says here. Happy in their release and constantly thinking about how they might present their discovery. Look at the words. They knew what they had discovered. As the prospector, what does it say? They struck gold to some newcomer. 
And I want to end with, because being mindful of the time, and may we all be mindful of the time each day, how we spend it. Aside, we're going to put that aside, as beautiful that is, that fellowship. Oh, that's a ship I love traveling on. And sociability, oof, right there. Now, the prime object, there it is, was provide a time and a place where new people might bring their problems. Now, wait a minute. Before you get all hung up on that one, it doesn't say we're there to solve their problems. I remember when that's why I went. People were so patient and loving, but also honestly, and that just moved me very gently. Well, let's read this line here, Paula. And then they would read that line. And then they'd say the same thing. How about reading this line? Well, that was the same damn line, but see, I didn't get it. But what patience they had with me. And when they fell, when I fell off the horse and I did, they would say, get back on. Get back on. And that I did too. I thank you for giving me this time to share. Much appreciated. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. And Chrissy G., you're next. Hi, I'm Chrissy G., recovered compulsive and anorexic from New Jersey. Um, I... I have a friend in recovery who who was recovered recently and we're putting together a meeting and it's the first time I've ever done anything like that and we're going to make it um, the first three steps. We're just going to read from the big book the first three steps for beginners and I'm really excited about it. It's it's not I don't I don't envi- I'm realistic. I don't envision it being being huge but I just think that it's it's just like a little a little seed of something which you know God it's for God to to use and I I think I've gone through various stages in recovery of um, what I think my part is what I what I believe um, recovered people's role is in spreading this it's it's like with everything else in in a process it's really god's work and i really just need to show up and not not be so opinionated about how things should be and how they should go just be obedient and follow the rules follow the directions that's so important for me because i i could get i could i so easily get led into my ego and i i really need to uh, that's just a bad place to be. A good intention could be ruined in a flash with my ego. And and I've done it so many times, and I need God's help to avoid that. So so really, it's just like I have to always remember that word to be obedient, to be a servant. I'm servant. I'm God's servant. I'm not, I'm not necessarily the program servant. I'm not necessarily the servant of people who are suffering, but I'm, I'm God's servant. So whether he wants me to help 10 people or, or two or a hundred, that's really, that's really his, his work. And I'm just there to show up and be obedient with that. I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? I'd like to share. This is. Okay, hold on. After Vasa, I met, um I missed who that was. Sarah W. Oh, Melissa I forgot you, Sarah. Oh, 
Okay. Harlan G. Leah M. Gotcha, Leah. Reva P. Harlan G. Okay, let's do that. We have, uh, I'm going to put Sarah W. because I missed her in between my writing here. It will be first and then Vasa O. followed by Leah M. Go ahead, Sarah. Good morning, Julie. Thank you so much for your service. It's good to be on the meeting this morning, um, and I love what we're reading. Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Um, I, I like the the last couple of uh, sentences, although the whole paragraph is beautiful, but um, I was thinking, in addition to these casual get-togethers, it became customary to set apart one night a week for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life, aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problems. Um, you know, th- that brings me to mind to the whole thought of, you know, are we providing the mess or the message? And I think when new people come in, we really need to be gentle. Uh, my thought is, and I've worked with a lot of people, people, and I've, you know, God has worked through me, and and whatever way it, God is working through me, but you know, you just never know if somebody's going to really grab a hold of it. And I think the thought that comes to my mind: some people come so broken. I mean, usual, not just with the food, with everything. Their whole life is a shambles. I mean, just truly a shadow of a person, and and just. So so much pain, and I think the thing that I can say to them is, because all they want to do is fix me, fix me, fix me, and what I can say is, I don't have the ability to fix you, but if you start to, to look at this with an open mind, you know, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, and you put your problems on the side, and you work the steps, your problems won't be the way they are today. And something I heard at the retreat this weekend that was so phenomenally helpful to me, I wanted to share, because it's right along these lines. It said, um, the woman said, it's not that I have no calamity. It's my way of seeing calamity that gets different. But it's not just my way of seeing calamity. It's my way of responding to calamity. Is that not a miracle? I mean, I don't know about you, but that is miraculous. I can remember just just the idea of getting lost somewhere because I have such a poor sense of direction. And I would go out of my mind crazy. Today, it's like I just stay calm, just take some deep breaths, ask my higher power to help me, and I find my way. You know, I think that's the thing. We help people find their way through our higher powers, strength and direction. And I have to really discern Am I saying the things I'm saying to help people or to build myself up or to force my feelings and thoughts on other people? I don't have that ability. You know, everybody hears the message differently. And some people need to hear my message and some people need to hear somebody else's message. You know, I have a different experience from other people. You know, the steps work the same. They they work, but my experience from my history is different. I'm so grateful to be sober today, abstinent, and to have a higher power today that I can depend on and to have a a wonderful program and a design for living. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. And Vasa O., you're next. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Julie, for your service. And I am grateful to have a compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. This is a beautiful paragraph. 
I would not be able to carry the message or serve God or others if I was into the food. Instead, today I'm devoted of helping others with joy. If people want to hear the message, like I was ready and willing to hear the message, um, again for me was put the food down, Vasa, and walk the walk, you know, with my sponsor, my higher power, the program, the big book, the 12 steps. We are so blessed to have these meetings, especially this meeting, you know, the vision for you. I'm sure when it started four years ago, um, it didn't start with this many people. And the, I mean, there's thousands of people from what I hear. And uh, again, when I came to the program, I was, you know, I was blessed to go to a meeting, you know. And before people, like different parts of the country, Maine and stuff, I would hear people be traveling an hour, two hours to go to a meeting, you know, or they would gather in homes. And I remember, you know, here, um, person didn't show up with the key, and I said, let's gather and go to my house. And that's what we did. And there was a newcomer for the first time came to my house. And there was another time this woman couldn't make meetings, so we decided to go and meet her at her house to have a meeting. So, um... I, I'm just so grateful to be doing what I'm doing. And for me, I didn't know what spiritual experience was until I, I had it, that experience in my bathroom. I didn't get in the church. I didn't get it growing up at home. I didn't get it reading self-help books or from other people. I, I got it when I was ready and willing to surrender to God on my knees and just say, God, I can't do this by myself. Please help me. And I, again, that's one of my spiritual experience. And I, I walk it every single day. I trust and rely gradually with knowledge of the food. This is not even a problem today. But gradually I get to trust God with my life and my will. What a blessing working the 12 steps. Thank you for letting me share that path. Thank you, Bossa O. And Leah M., you're next. Thank you very much. A little gathering of men and women happy in their release and constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. Um, What was their discovery? Their discovery was that they had recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and they had a message to carry. And, you know, that reminds me of how this was the emergence, the birth of Tradition 5. What's Tradition 5? Tradition 5, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. You know, God uses recovered people. Um, You know, when you have a toothache, you go to the dentist. You know, when your uh, heart is beating too fast, perhaps you'll you know, visit a cardiologist. If you're a compulsive overeating and you know you can't start and you know you can't stop, (laughs) what can you do? Well, that's what we're here for. We're the experts on recovering from compulsive overeating, you know, and that's what we do, and that's what we do. Although, uh, you know, the details of our personal lives may be interesting, and perhaps entertaining to some, that's not the reason we're here. That's not the reason we're here. We're here, and we cling together, uh, and we cleave to the single purpose 
of carrying the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And that is our high mission. And we have meetings. We meet here every day. And there are retreats. And there are conventions. And there's wonderful OA parties. But the reason why all that environment and atmosphere is created is to create an enthusiasm and to allow an environment for teaching so that each individual can apply these 12 steps in their personal lives and have a spiritual awakening sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. So, you know, it's very focused here. Meetings are to carry the message during the meeting. Recovery, recovery, recovery. Uh, you know, meetings are not a place, uh, you know, to dwell in uh, stories of relapse and uh, personal problem solving. That's not why we're here. We have to resist that temptation to do that. Certainly, a uh, discussion of more personal issues might happen on a one-on-one conversation. But in terms of a meeting, our chief responsibility to the newcomer is a presentation of the program of Recovered. Because we have an obligation, we've been given a responsibility, we have a duty, and we certainly do it out of self-preservation. And you know what? We do it out of love. We do it out of love (laughs) because we were once held in the same chains of compulsive overeating that perhaps some newcomers are on the line still, and we've been released to that. We've been freed, and now we carry the message of recovery to those who still suffer. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. And Chrissy G., you're next. I mean, Melissa P., sorry. I'm all messed up. Hi. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. I didn't know if you stopped me or not. It's uh, Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I just, this morning I could just really um, zone in on um, the thought of being happy in their relief. And, um, and you know, and how um, I just have this huge smile on my face because, you know, I've been freed from the bondage of food, and it is miraculous. You know, I still I cannot take the miracle of that for granted, and um, and I, you know, and I think part of the way that I get to carry the message today is I am really happy. I am a joyful person, and um, you know, and I wear this huge smile on my face that's not fake anymore. You know, it, it's genuine and it's real, and, um, and then the other thing that really grabbed me was, um, yeah, a place to bring, you know, a place to bring their problem, their problem of compulsive overeating, their problem of drinking, you know, that these meetings were a place to bring that issue to, and, um, and you know, I um, have this incredibly beautiful support of this fellowship that when I do have um, a problem, I have people I can I can bring this problem to, and they remind me of the solution. They don't try to solve my problems for me, you know, but they point me to the direction of my higher power. They um, say things that remind me um, that often I am the problem, you know, that many of problems that I attribute to my circumstances and other people 
of problems with my own making, um, and it's my perception of these, you know, things that really need to be adjusted. Um, and that is so powerful. That's what keeps me, you know, uh, free from the bondage of food. I don't have to return to eating um, because my problems have have a um, reasonable avenue to be solved. And so, you know, it kind of struck me um, this morning. My Last night I took my mom up from the airport, and she's 81, and, um, and you know, God bless her. She has this incredibly loving way but a critical eye, and she pointed out, like, three things in my house that were out of, you know, out of place. And, you know, I used to carry that kind of a problem and do it over to people who would take my part, who would tell me, you know, you are right, how ridiculous of your mother, blah, 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 blah. But this fellowship taught me love, acceptance, you know, gratitude. Thank you, God, I have a mother who has good vision at 81. Um, and so this morning when I'm packing my kids, you know, lunches and they ask me to put cookies in or their Halloween candy, I am free. I have no desire to pick that crap up um, because it's poison. And so I can wear this huge smile happy in my release today. Thank you. With that, I'll Thank you, Melissa C. Reba P. followed by Harlan G. Good morning. It's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. What really strikes me this morning is being happy in my release. And what have I been released from? What was the prison that I was in? What was the bondage? And it goes back to the nature of my problem and the twofold uh, nature is the allergy of the body and the mental twist. Um, so what I have been released from, first of all, the allergy of the body, you know, putting down my alcoholic foods, um, not only have I put them down, um, not only has my body been the same weight for many, many years, um, but I don't want those foods. They don't yell at me. They don't um, whisper to me. I don't need them. That's the release. I am not a white-knuckled, dry drunk. Um, and that is something I could never, ever um, have achieved without this program. And then the second part, what am I released from? The mental twist. Not just the mental twist that tells me, eat this and you'll feel better. You know, shoot up with this and you'll get some ease and comfort. But I am released from being a crazy rageaholic, um, tornado woman, you know, spinning around, crazy busy, um, criticizing and yelling at everybody in my path. Um, I don't have the resentments and the fears, and if they do come up, I have the steps, 10, 11, and 12, to release them over and over and over, multiple times a day. And you know what else I'm released from? Life is not always going the way I want. Things aren't turning out the way I want always. I didn't end up in a mansion, you know, with millions of dollars because I got abstinent and prayed to God. And I am released from the need to even have those things work out the way I wanted. 
that is the hugest miracle. So how do I get the release? It tells me we all come with different problems. We bring our problems, everyone, anyone, any kind of food history, overweight, underweight, whatever. It doesn't matter because it's all the same. And we bring all these different problems, but there's one solution, the spiritual way of life. And am I interested? And if I'm interested, then I have to do work. Then I have to do the steps to get access to this power that can give me the release that I could never, ever get on my own. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Harlan G., you're next. Harlan, star one to unmute. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll give Harlan a second. Is there um, anyone else who would like to share? This is Sally. Hi, Sally. And then maybe Harlan will be on after. Go ahead, Sally. Good morning. Good morning, Visions, for you. Um, I really appreciate all of the shares this morning. It's Sally. Uh, not recovered, but a compulsive overeater in New York and doing super well. Um, I think today is day 10. Um, so here we are on the bottom of page 159, and we've heard some really great things about happy and their release. Um, I guess what I really wanted to share this morning is constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. And, um, you know, I've been listening Every morning, I've been here on the line listening. And this, this meeting really saved my life years ago when I first started and actually another big book study right before it was the beginning of the opening of my mind um, to the reality that herein lies the way out, the way of escape, that we've got to find somebody who will take the other end of a stick and pull us out of the quicksand, being uh, the quicksand of our mind. And when I look at this, they might present their discovery. Eureka! I finally, after so many years of my life of struggling in the food, found a way of escape. And this was the way of escape, not just for me to be compulsively overeating, but to, to finally be to escape the mental twist that was going on in my mind because there's so many other factors to our illness, as we all know, the impulsivity, um, the isolation. There's so many other parts to this that's so painful. Happy in their release and constantly thinking how they might present their discovery, Eureka, to some newcomer. And you, as you guys know, I've been doing a lot of service. For a lot of, for a lot of years, I've been doing a lot of service. And we've been talking about service in step 12 the last few days. And, and I must tell you that one thing I learned, unfortunately I couldn't put it into practice fast enough for myself, was that you can do a lot of service and still go into the food. I can tell you from personal experience. And the reason is that sometimes doing service is very egocentric. How can I help you? It's very egocentric. But step 10 and 11, those two steps, 
help me are very humbling. And those are harder steps for me to do. Help me, my herd, other people, help me doing, doing step 10. And God, step 11, help me. Those are very humbling words for me. Help me, as opposed to how can I help you, which is very egocentric. And so I'm learning the importance of emotional balance in, in this process of wellness. And I'm getting weller and weller every day. I hope that's helpful to someone else. Have a great day. Thank you, Sally G. Harlan, hey. are you on? There you thank are. I, I, yeah, my phone froze up. I don't know what happened. It was like a God thing. I, I think uh, God <laughs> wanted Sally to get in there. I'm not sure what was going on there. Um, these 10 people, they were bonded together. They saw much of each other. And they were bonded together by the speaking and the understanding of the language of the heart. And the language of the heart is that language that only we speak who have been through hell. And these 10 people and their families were bonded together in a very, very unique way. And they thought constantly of how they could bring their message to a person who was still suffering. And that suffering was something that they knew very well. We are dying. Overeaters Anonymous is shrinking at an alarming rate. At a world convention years ago, it was announced that we had 125,000 members worldwide in 60 countries. At the world convention in Boston, it was announced that we have 54,000 members. What's going on? What's going on is that we as a group are not taking our mess to a sponsor and our message to the meeting. We are taking our mess to the meeting and often don't have a sponsor. I travel this country. doesn't mean I get a, a merit badge, but I travel this country doing retreats and conventions, and I see meetings drying up and people dying all the time. We need to get back to this paragraph at the bottom of 159. And we need to think, and I need to think constantly of how I can bring this message of recovery to the newcomer who is still suffering. To be the outstretched hand of Overeaters Anonymous, to those who urgently seek it, for this I am responsible. It's all through the book. The number one thing I have to do today is not make money. That's important. It's not to do whatever. That's important. The number one thing I have to do today is to bring the message of this recovery to someone who is suffering. This is the most important thing. This is my life. But there is a place in OA that is a renaissance. There is a place in OA that is growing, that has 3,000 members after four years. And that place is a vision for you. This meeting, every time we open up that line, we are walking on the shoulders of these giants who made it possible for us to be here today. I thank God for those men and women every day. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. It is now time to close our meeting. I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Christine M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Christine M., star one to unmute. This is Janice. I'll be glad to do that. Thank you, Janice. I'm here. Um, Good morning. My name is Janice M. And I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, If I get the page for you, I'm ready to do service without being ready here. Um, Sorry about that. If our book is meant to be suggestive only, we realize that we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something that you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as we, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pat.